Hello! This is the Push a Shout Podcast, episode 35. E3 hey, yo, is what finally up? over. It what is. up? I'm Skippy. I'm Mike. And, uh, I don't know, we've, we've, uh, we recorded our last podcast kind of in the middle of E3, really. It was after all the conferences, but there's a lot of stuff that they show on the floor later on in the week. Uh, so there's some stuff to talk about as far as that goes, like Dark Souls 3 and VR and whatnot. Uh, a lot of it was really cool. Yes, there's some really cool shit going on. Uh, but first, I want to know what you've been up to. Well, I've been obsessively watching The Sopranos. Like, I've just been tearing through it. Yeah, that's because like, it's really just good. Starting it. Yeah, I was like just starting it last time we talked. But uh, now I'm like halfway through season four. I'm oh, just, really? Yeah. Oh, my just God. Blazing through it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't have much to do. We're kind Dear of uh, God on on vacation, so to speak. But we're just kind of hanging out um, in like the burbs while my brother's doing his college orientation. So I've got very little to do, and I'm just you know watching The Sopranos. And well, it deserves so good. a good binge watch. It really does, and we a few more watches after that. But oh my God, uh, there's just too much to say, and I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to. Really and good. then we we played a game called Robot Roller Derby Disco Dodgeball, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. It um, was. It, it... Yeah. So you're like these robots um, in a roller derby disco playing dodgeball. And it's like this kind of trippy, um, colorful disco is the best, or like a rave. And uh, you have to play dodgeball in it and you pick up these power-ups and you slide across the floor and the level shot. is a an equalizer or whatever you call it visualizer uh yeah yeah for the music the that you, and you can put like your custom music in the there music. It's, uh, it's pretty cool um yeah. it, it's like uh it's like a it's almost an old school arena game in a weird way it's it's slower moving than that but uh mm-hmm. it's kind of the same idea and, and level layout in a lot of ways and and then uh and then you get kind of like I guess a tribes ascend or or original tribes vibe from the way that you have to lead, yeah, lead your shot like and all that movement, stuff. The movement is a lot like tribes and tribes. Yeah, you ascend, do. You skate you around. Slide. It's not nearly as satisfying as tribes, but it's 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 different. Yeah, and then the the aiming is a little like quake, and then you got to lead the shots because nothing's a hit scan. You know, the yeah. dodgeballs. And then you can also catch the other person's dodgeball and they'll die. It's really, really fun. I got pretty good at it by the end. Yeah, you were kind of kicking our ass. But yeah, that 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 was a surprisingly fun little game. I'd seen it before, but I'd completely forgotten about it. Um, yeah, that was fun. Not much to say about that game, though. <laughs> um, it's Smash. a fun little game, yeah. Smash. Yeah, so I was talking a little bit last week about the, uh, the DLC that they released for it. Um, and I was just looking at it again today or i was playing more of it and it's really good really good the dlc characters they released are probably my favorite characters to play now in the whole game but i was thinking about how much it cost and i was adding up the prices and the two dlc packs have a total of four characters and a few new maps but the maps don't really matter because they're all gimmicky and you don't play them you only play a few anyway so the characters are where it's at, right? So four characters altogether, it costs forty dollars, <laughs> and the game itself costs sixty. And I'm thinking, okay, this is good, but uh, I don't know if I'm gonna drop as much on the next thing. Like it, they're squeezing me for a lot at this point. Yeah, and, yeah. But they know you're gonna pay for it because hey, it's the new characters, and you have to. Like, you have to have those new characters. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Oh, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. They're breaking my balls here. Yeah, <laughs> breaking uh, them. There's some other DLC news, but we'll get to that later. Um, but God, the companies are really are really stretching about. that <laughs> uh, stretching that line pretty thin. Yeah. Um, I I have actually played a lot of video games this week. I I felt kind of sick for the last few days. I was I was sick over the weekend. I had a ton of free time. Um, I started out playing some Trackmania while watching videos and stuff, because that's the perfect game to play while, like, watching wrestling, for instance. Um, and I finally got all gold medals on every single track in the Trackmania single-player. Trackmania 2 Stadium. Uh, there's a lot of, like, I think there's probably a hundred and something, some somewhere in the mid-hundreds 
uh, for, of tracks. And like the last, actually, I already had all gold except I didn't know this. I just start launched up the game because I wanted to play some of it. I didn't have the goal of finally getting all gold or anything. But I realized the only level that I hadn't gotten gold on was this track. Uh, it takes. Oh god, how long does it take to get around the track? It doesn't take super long, like maybe 30 seconds to get around the full track, but it's 15 laps and you have to nail every single lap perfectly to get gold medal and oh my god, my hands were hurting so much by the end of it because like I'm like at first I started playing the the keyboard because I think that's like the true way because the game is very simplistic in that like when you're turning left, you're turning left. You don't want to be like kind of sort of turning left. You want it all the way or none. And uh, and then I had to switch to a controller because like my fingers were cramping up because I was so stressed because it like you're basically spending several minutes at least constantly on the edge doing this very very hard level over and over and over and over to try to get it perfect and boy that's uh it's it's still a great game though I I love it and in in a lot of ways it's the purest it has reached the the kind of feeling the skill required to drive a real race car in a lot of ways is I, I wouldn't say transferable, but comparable uh, because it's a lot about, it's about like consistency and perfection and trying to nail the corner, get the perfect apex and all that stuff. And uh, most other racing games are much more lenient when it comes to that kind of stuff. So in a lot of ways it's really appealing, even though it's probably the most arcadey racing game I've ever, ever played, but I, I love that game. Uh, so finally got that. I uh, played some nice. CSGO. Oh my God, CS. Not nice to see us go to Trackmania. Oh, I would never say that about CSGO, man. I love CSGO. I love Crown Strike. Always have. It's a great game. Uh, the things that they're doing with that game are really frustrating and kind of horrible. Uh, so they I haven't released... played it in like a year and a half. Seriously. Yeah, you're not missing much because they like to release these little updates i forgot what they call them exactly but operations operations and what yeah. how much do they cost like ten dollars i don't know, $5? The, I don't the know. the most Not recent much. one is, is absurdly expensive really like 15 yeah it's like yeah it's some Ugh. call of duty kind of yeah it looks very much like call of duty well when you they... pay when you pay 15 dollars for something with the game that you already own you expect you know some maps and some weapons and whatnot, you know, just in the in a normal kind of game. But you don't really want that in Counter Strike because usually you play your favorite maps, which is only you know three or four of them for most people probably, uh, and you don't want the weapons to change almost at all because you're used to how they feel, you're used to the balance and everything, and you like the game the way it is, and maybe you want very slight tweaks. So it was smart of them to say like, all right, we're not gonna you know add things to the game that kind of ruin it. Uh, but we want people to be buying DLC anyway. So their solution, oh God, it's it's these operations. And basically, basically you're paying $15 to unlock achievements. Uh, it gives well, you, you a pack of... Mass, but none of well, those... you already get them. You can already play them without paying. Can you? I yes. thought that you had I to... I was playing one. Well, I, I know playing. that... If somebody in your lobby has the pass, then you get to play it too. Maybe that's it because I always play with people who pay for that stupid shit. Yeah, that, uh, that's it. But you don't really want to play, like I said, you don't really want to play the community maps unless there's just like one that you're craving or something like that. Exactly. You've got your maps that you play. And, and sometimes and... like cash or cash, I cash. don't, yeah. They, um, for a long time, that was like a standard competitive map, but it was locked to the operations. Yeah. So people wanted I think to play, unlocked but they it couldn't now, yeah they finally put it in like the vanilla game but yeah it, like frustrating things like that there'll be like one map that you want to play and just a bunch of ones that you have no interest yeah in. and and usually if you really want to play a map it's because like the pros are playing it or something like you said and then that'll be added to the core game so there's not much incentive to buy these things but people still do it because you they like doing achievements i guess and then it forces you to play those maps if you want to unlock stupid achievements like kill all the chickens or something like that and um really uh, aligns people's priorities yeah, well I, for competitive I matches. I, I didn't think that was scummy at all. Uh, they they also do really crazy shit with skins that you know people pay $150 for and all that stupid stuff. That doesn't affect the game. It doesn't affect how I play it. I can laugh at all the people who paid a bunch of money for skins and, and I've just got all the default weapons. I like that. That's In fact, that makes me smug in a really pretentious way. Um, the problem is on their latest operation... 
and I might have this slightly inaccurate because I went back to playing it after not playing it for a few months. But on this latest one, they have uh, forced you to reach, I think, rank three, which is a separate ranking system from the competitive ranking system. Um, so there's like a there's like another ranking system now, and it's just an XP bar that you fill up for doing matches. And if you want to play competitively, you have to get to rank three or pass rank three or something. What? And uh, yeah, and the fastest way to do it is to buy the pack and unlock the the achievements or missions or whatever. Uh, so if you don't unlock the pack, you just have to play a bunch of matches. And I've been deranked, and I don't know if it's as a result of this update or if it's because I haven't played in a while. But I've been deranked, and so now I have to get to rank three to play with my friends who have already done that because they are stupid and they bought the pack <laughs> and uh Jesus and i have to play like casual games because i don't have anyone to play That's with because terrible. i'm unranked yeah and so uh what all this is leading to basically is that i played a casual game in which there was a hacker on the other team with a name bot and he would just beat us every time by shooting at our head instantly and every once in a while we'd win because he'd have to reload and we'd shoot him and then the rest of his team was terrible you get, like participation points like yeah, losing. you get participation points. You don't have to win, so that's, I guess, nice. <laughs> um, this is disgusting. It just so, sounds gross. So I was trying to have fun. Like, actually, like this hacker at least made things interesting because playing casual mode normally is just terrible because you have a bunch of like potheads that are just not trying, and and it's terrible. Uh, at least this guy made things different. I, I I was trying to put the, the best light on it as possible. So we we played like a couple rounds against this hacker who was just dominating us and then uh someone joined our team who also had hacks, but his hacks were better than the other hackers. And so we started winning, and then the other hacker turned on even better hacks, and like by the end of the match they were both like spinning in circles like unbelievably fast and their screens were upside down and all that crazy shit that hackers get to and just in trying to beat each other with better hacks and that was that was really entertaining at least but i still haven't reached rank three because it takes forever and i don't know if i ever will because fucking god damn it that's stupid and annoying uh i think that i think part of the intent is to make it harder for people to cheat in the game and and like so you have to i guess there's like a barrier to entry but really, all it takes is like a day of playing it, and then you—I don't know. I—I—I I, I don't know. That game is weird. So, that's the Counter Strike update. <laughs> um, let's get to the positive part of my video game play. This is what I did all weekend. Uh, I played The Witcher Three. Three Wild Cunt. I played it all weekend. I binged that shit like you were binging The Sopranos. I. I am in love with that game. There's no other way to describe it. I, that game is so great. Um, I've just become totally immersed in the world. I want to find out everything. I want to do every mission, and I can't. Like, I have to, like, move. Well, I can, but I, I, like, force myself to move on because I want to do every single little thing. And, like, the smallest little missions that you just don't think are anything end up on these awesome quest lines that take you to, like, crazy... Like, that that game goes places, and and... You don't expect it to because you're doing like this tiny little side quest, like like killing a specter that's 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 haunting some random lighthouse, and then you go back to the town, and this is not spoiling things. I, I won't spoil anything, but you go back to the town, and shit just goes crazy as a result of the shit that you did at the, the lighthouse, and then it enters this quest that takes like three hours to complete, and like that's great. I love that. There's game. something like that in the second one. It's, I I love moments like that where you go back to an old place and then everything's just in chaos there's a lot of that too yeah like you'll complete a quest and then if you go back it's like well here's why you shouldn't have done what you did <laughs> like, you, look at all these crying children because of you and it's <laughs> at least you know i'm trying to make claims about the third from the second but at least in the second they definitely were able to walk that line of making you feel bad or like you could have done something better but not bad enough that you want to go back and reload the save yeah i mean i i feel kind of guilty going back and reloading the save i've done that once or twice in the witcher sometimes just to find out like could this have ended drastically differently and usually yes the answer is yes um but like i i try not to because it's kind of like all right the, the decisions i make should be final unless the game just fucks me or there's some kind of glitch or just like i feel like I don't deserve the ending that I got for the quest line or something like that. But uh, for the most part, you're right. Like you still feel satisfied even with the quote unquote bad ending. Um, it's that game. God damn. I love it. You're, you're going to love the Witcher three. 
I I'm, I'm, I already uh, bought Witcher am, one and two as well. I was I'm probably gonna go back and play them. I was at the store today, and um, I was buying some new headphones, which I'm using right now, and they're great. But um, I saw The Witcher three for PS4, and oh man, it was so tempting. I just <sighs> wanted to drop my cash on it right there. It's so good. I I just can't stop gushing about this game because it is. Like it took over my weekend because I was having so much fun with it, and it's one of those things where like I was playing it so much and enjoying it so much and thinking about it so much that I dreamed Witcher dreams, which which on the one hand is like kind of worrying whenever I dream about a video game I'm playing, but on the other hand, it's like probably a sign that the video game is really good. Um, I God damn, I love that game. Uh, it, it is. It is really frustrating at times. There's some really weird glitches and whatnot, you know, as you would expect. But I can't, I can't believe the amount of care that's put into it. And and oh, I love every bit of it. And if you haven't played the fucking Witcher three or any of them, probably you, you need to. Like I, I can't express this enough. This is this could be my favorite game of all time, but it's way too early. So, um, I, Wowzers. I yeah, I love it. Jeeps. So Jeepers. also fuck Gwent. Jesus Christ, that's their Hearthstone game. I guess, I'm guessing Witcher Two doesn't have that. Uh, you know, speaking of Hearthstone, I downloaded Hearthstone and I played it for five minutes and then I deleted it. <laughs> yeah, decided it wasn't for you. I, I, it's kind of the same way. I gave it, I gave it maybe a couple hours, and then like all it takes is one match where it's just like you just feel like you got a really stupid, unlucky deck or whatever, and it's just like, all right, fuck this game. And that's how Gwent is, because it in the end, it's kind of luck-based. Like, you make your own luck in a way, but sometimes you just get dealt shitty cards, and, and I I keep playing Gwent, though, so maybe that says something about the kind of person I am, I don't know. <laughs> but fuck Gwent. Um, play Witcher 3. Jesus. I can't... Ah, uh, I love it. I'll have more to say about it next week, I'm sure. And I'm not even... like I'm, not, I'm probably not even close to done with it. And I've been playing it for, I think, 60-something hours now. Like, it is nowhere near being done. Especially if I go back and do all the side quests and shit. So, nice. Now, this is something that I just saw on the Steam store. Uh, as you know, Arkham Knight comes out today. Yes. And We're recording this on a Monday, by the way. Yeah, yeah, June 22nd. And uh, I'm reading the reviews. Apparently, this is an abysmal port like terrible really? unplayable yeah like people are saying that they can't even get it to 30 fps with a titan x and even though Yikes. it's like pre-release reviews right now it seems to be available to a large number of people like there's hundreds and hundreds of user reviews so it's by time zones or whatever uh but people are saying that on amd cards it's just completely broken and then on nvidia cards it, it performs terribly people are saying that they um, that they run Witcher 3 at 60 FPS, 1080p, no problem, and they just can't run this on very low settings. Like That's crazy. Disgustingly terrible port. I and thought then, we'd move past that after last year. <laughs> and by default, there's a 30 FPS lock that you have oh, to great. go into the game's files to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, Is that why I saw someone retweeting that. Bethesda? Like Bethesda had like a tweet with like thousands of retweets where they, they just said... On PC, this game will be 1080p and 60fps. Or it said 1080p and 30fps on consoles and unlimited on PC, I think is what it said. And like people were retweeting it as if it was something like crazy. And I was like, I, that's just what I would expect. And um, I guess it was probably because that Batman stuff was happening at the same time and I didn't know about it. Yeah, it could be. And it's not like a hard built-in thing. It's not like um, L.A. Noir or anything. It's just an INI file that you change the max FPS. Still, like, it should be that way. There's that no in itself it to be that is way. even more reason for them to just, why don't they have an option in the menu to switch? Like, why do you have to go into a fucking file and change the code? Yeah, they very uh. clearly just didn't care about the PC port and finished the console version, and they probably are going to patch it later, but it's scummy. Yeah, that sucks. Who publishes that? Um... Is it, is it Warner, Warner Brothers? Brothers? Do, do they, they have like a... Oh, okay, so they publish it. All right. They just do Lego and this, basically. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing, I guess. I don't care about Batman. I should probably play one of those games. But you I, should. Arkham just... City and Arkham Asylum are so good. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> and you know what? If we want to trust Polygon, like I know you do, then uh, they gave it a 10 out of 10, so you know it's perfect. I take all of Polygon's articles uh, A boulder to heart. of salt. 
Yes. Um, the boulder of salt, but it seems like it could be good. No, nah, yeah, uh, I, I've heard nothing but good games about the Batman, uh, good things about the Batman series, except for like one game that they disowned apparently. But uh, yeah, Arkham Origins, they didn't develop it. But yeah, like I haven't heard anyone say bad things about it. I just don't know if it's my kind of game from what I've seen of it. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot eventually. Um, if you like, okay, if you even close to slightly enjoyed Shadow of Mordor for like three hours then you'll absolutely love those games if you say so i did enjoy shadow mordor for even more than three hours slightly more always all right i want to god damn all right we mentioned dlc scummy dlc practices a few times and now it's time to get to the breaking news and really scummy shit bungie showing how modest and humble they are once again (laughs) um so God damn. It seems like when Bungie was being bought by Activision, it, things weren't going to be... I, there was some some cautious optimism, I think, by a lot of Bungie fans where they said, like, well, the, we know Bungie wouldn't enter into a contract that, like, just made them churn out crappy games for 10 years, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everything has pointed to the opposite, especially in this latest Eurogamer interview with uh i think it's like a creative director or something luke smith of bungie uh where the euro like the Eurogamer interviewer kind of blatantly shifts the the conversation towards uh the pricing model and and general business model of destiny very quickly in the interview and uh and the responses to his questions about this dlc that's coming out so let me lay, let me lay it down, especially from the perspective of Eurogamer. Um, they're saying this DLC is forty pounds. I think it's forty dollars in the U.S. It's forty pounds in Britain, which is basically the price of a full game, a new full game, and and it's just DLC. And uh, and there's also like a collector's edition or something that is like way more expensive, and. The collector's edition comes with uh, exclusive emotes for your character, where I don't know you can dance or clap or some stupid shit. And uh, there's it, like it's a really minor feature, but it's exclusive to the collector's edition. So if you already own the game and you want one of these stupid little emotes, theoretically you would have to buy the collector's edition for significantly more than the DLC just to get the emotes, which is you're basically paying for all the content you already have just to get a very small amount of content that you want. And and the your Eurogamer guy just basically asks, like, well, why can't we just pay for the, you know, like, why can't you just value it for us? That have, are us loyal customers who've already bought the game, why, why can't we get this content, you know, for a reasonable price? And the guy was like, the responses were basically... Well, uh, you know, if the if the customer thinks that it's worth the amount of money we're charging, then then that's what they think, and they can buy it. And if you don't think it's worth that, then so be it. And uh, and that is a very nice way of putting the way he responded to a lot of this stuff. It the interview goes places, and it is a really weird, awkward, and and kind of disgusting uh, <laughs> conversation. Yeah, did you? <sighs> Quote the quotable quote. I have not quoted. Okay, my okay. favorite quote from the interview <laughs> is: "This is, is what makes it a story." <laughs> this is this. Yeah, I, I should have. Yeah, I should have focused on this because this was this was why I mention it even because I think this quote is so fucking stupid. Uh, they're basically like they get to this point in the interview where they're kind of going back and forth really quickly about like, well, you know, I just don't think that the the emos should be you know bundled with this thing. Da 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 da. Luke Smith eventually just says, "Quote." If I fire up a video right now and showed you the emotes, you would throw money at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so, um, so, so he really what values those emotes. Um, you should read that interview. I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember to link. Yeah, it I've the... been, I've been reading it. It's, I mean, just I bought Destiny when it came out. Yeah, I was super excited. You had good for things it. to say about it too. I did, and you know, it wasn't like terrible. It just was a huge waste of potential. But, you know, if if they wanted to, like, bring me back into it with a substantial expansion, it's $40 is not going to get me back in. That's it's a, it seems sure. like a bad business model because, yeah, I I, I can totally see the people. They, they do have a ton of people who are putting 
like I re- I've been looking at people saying that they've put like thousand hours into it and whatnot, yeah, which I don't how understand. Have, how have they been monetizing so far? I'm pretty sure it's just that one it's little only, expansion. I think it's only so the far. DLCs and stuff. I don't think they have any like yeah. microtransactions or so anything. All those all those thousands of all those thousands of hours mean dick. Like they need yeah. people to buy the expansions and I'm not gonna buy the expansion. And yeah, you have this very loyal base of autists who are willing to sink <laughs> thousands of hours into this console half MMORPG, but they're just a small or, you know, moderate modest group of people, unlike Bungie, uh, who yeah. aren't gonna be able to well, you know, forty bucks is ridiculous. I, it is. Uh it's it is a new area. Which is a big deal since I think they only had like what four areas before. Yeah, uh, and you know what, a new area is not worth forty dollars to me. No, because I mean, if you this is this is kind of a stupid way to look at it, I guess, but I'm going to look at it this way anyway. <laughs> um, if you look at the price of the game with the four areas being sixty dollars, that's fifteen dollars per area, and then you add an area and you price it for forty dollars, it, it it doesn't add up. It's well, it's very simple. Too, you get emotes. Yeah, you get the well. Wait, no, only, wait, no. no, you only get the no, emotes don't. if you buy. The That's game right. New. You have to pay eighty dollars to get the emotes. <laughs> and if you're British, you have to pay forty pounds, whereas the Americans are paying forty dollars. And so you're basically buying a new game anyway if you want the ex- expansion with significantly less content than the original game had. And the original game didn't have enough content to begin with. Because you know what, the I'll say this: the planets and the skyboxes are very, very pretty and well designed in Destiny. And I would pay like. 10 bucks or 15 bucks tops just to explore it and see and you know drive around in it because that's fun that's the most fun part of the game to me and you know they lost me that's it yeah no money i'm sure they've lost a bunch of other people and and like forbes i saw already like wrote a piece about how this interview alone could like significantly hurt their their business going forward and all that stuff i'm sure there's gonna be an apology and whatnot i certainly hope it does because they need some kind of wake-up call they're tripping balls over there they are and like uh, on the one hand like yeah you should always blame people who pay this much stuff like this much for very little content because there's there are a lot of those people and that's why they do this but the, the fact that this is happening with a company who i used to respect very very highly they used to be like one of my favorite game developers for sure uh it's re- it's just really sad to to see them basically reduced to a milk cow or milking a cow and and doing the kind of the call of duty style what i assume is going to be the call of duty style of game development which is like all right use our assets that we already have and create some new ones and then put them out for absurd prices because we have a dedicated fan base uh it's it's very obnoxious and sad because destiny has so much potential and they they still like i think this guy i think he's a writer for the game luke smith i think he wrote he wrote some of Halo and all that, and apparently he has talent, but it's just not being put to use. I don't know. I it's really sad. And the interview is just. I'm reading some of the actual not quotable quotes, and it's just very weird yeah. and slimy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's oh, it's it's pretty messed up. Um, I'll I'll mention real quick. I'll plug my latest video. Um, I I. I I read an article by Polygon. I think the article's like a month old. Uh, I'm always behind on these things, and everyone in the YouTube comments lets me know. Um, uh, there's an article in which Polygon previews Rock Band 4. They went to an event where Harmonix showed off the game. Uh, and the preview spins three paragraphs describing the game and, and, and what has changed and what they're doing with it. Uh, small paragraphs. And probably, I this is... This is an eyeball. I think I think about ten paragraphs, maybe more. Um, just the per- first person perspective of the guy writing the article and how little he cares about rock and roll games and how games are stupid in general and how he likes to talk about politics in the Philippines instead of playing Rock Band. Have you I read re- this article? I saw that. I saw the video. Yeah. Uh, and what was what were they sipping? Some kind of fizzy beverage. You know what? Hang on one second while I look it up because I have to look this up. <laughs> it was so it was funny, and the editing really made it just that that understated. Uh, I've got important things to say, yeah. and I am of culture. <laughs> and... um, I tried to nail that as 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 well as possible. Yeah, um, it was funny. It was good. I 
so here's the here is here's the quote that everyone should take away from this. Um, well, actually, let me get the full sentence. I just I just have to I can't take away. Oh no, yeah, from the art. I, I get it. Like you can't. I, I don't want to like I don't want to condense. This there in are a way no that, other that words. Ruins the original. Uh, yeah. So here's here here it is. Um, uh, I watched from a safe distance. Drinking fizzy water, eating puff pastry canopies, and chatting to another colleague about politics in the Philippines. That—that's what he did during the party, uh, mm-hmm. in which they're playing Rock Band Four on a fancy. It's classy. Sounds like watch a classy sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would upvote him. Um, could you? Could you? Could you spot the influences of, of my video besides the original article, of course? The influences of the video. No. I. I modeled it after the burger time video oh a combination of the burger time video and i think it was was it shidmu uh by mecha gamezilla Mm -hmm. uh he has a couple of really good videos and i guess that yeah that tone is similar (laughs) yeah um so there you go uh let's let's get down to the gritty the nitty-gritty uh some stuff we that happened at e3 or was shown at e3 that we didn't get to last podcast um i'll I'll start right away with some Square Enix uh, stuff. They had three, three major Western or four, no three, three major Western games um, that they were showing. The first is Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. Uh, we saw a trailer for it at the conference, and apparently, the stuff they're showing behind closed doors is basically the trailer and maybe a little bit more, but not really gameplay or anything. Um, it's just lots of, like talking no i I, from what i've heard and this is maybe what people are focusing on because it's kind of odd but people apparently like they're just not showing any stealth at all and and the things that they're talking about while they're showing the game is like here's how we've improved the combat here's how much better the combat is uh it's making people really worried i think rightly so as it yeah as it should um I I suspect that this is more of a marketing thing than a actual like intent by the developers because the marketers say, oh, nobody wants to see stealth. They just want to see, you know, explosions. Uh, even though games like Metal Gear Solid show off stealth really well and Splinter Cell was a really good selling series until they turned it less into a stealth-focused game and then it stopped selling well. <laughs> so I don't know why they haven't learned. But but no, they, they apparently they're they're kind of focusing in a really weird way on like not stealth and and how they've improved the combat and like they have it like like journalists have said like we asked the question like how are the boss fights going to be handled because they'll really screwed up the boss fights in the original and they've just completely deflected and it's not promising that's weird and i i everything i see about that game if it just i get the wrong feel from it i don't it doesn't feel what i like how i want it to and i mean i this is based off of very little information to be fair but like ah. Uh, I have kind of low hopes about that game, unfortunately, and I really, really loved Human Revolution. Uh, What's the word? Is it the same director or not? I think it's like pretty much the same team. Like everyone, you know, I I don't don't think there's any major shifts in in the development team or anything, but it's, it it feels, I mean, I'm sure that in a lot of ways this is intentional and maybe it's something that you kind of have to play the game to get used to, but the feel of the game is is off. It doesn't feel like Human Revolution felt, and I'm I'm sure it isn't intended to feel exactly that way. But but that's how, that's how I like that is everything I know about Deus Ex is is Human Revolution and that that really atmospheric uh, 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 sense of foreboding and and doom and and just like overwhelmingly oppressive kind of world. Um, and I just haven't gotten that that impression from this trailer, and I don't know. It's weird. And I think they're also like totally writing off the ending to the original. I think I I I, I can you, know, you had like a, it was a kind of a stupid ending to be honest. It was just like press one of three buttons, but um, it, I I don't know how they're handling that ending. And I think I really that don't. I hate sequels that do that where they like collapse the endings down yeah. into just one unrelated. Thing. I would, yeah, I'd be fine if they chose an ending and they said this is canon. Uh, that that'd be fine with me. In fact, I'd I'd prefer that over anything because 
I, I like the idea of like an artist's intent with a story rather than a player's, you know, direction. But apparently they're kind of doing some weird stuff where they don't really acknowledge like which ending is real, if any of them or what. I don't know. Um, it's weird. I I think it's mostly a marketing, you know, scafu or whatever you would call it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm getting really weird vibes from that. So that's kind of sad. Um, so what's this about Hitman? Hitman, from what I hear about Hitman, Hitman's going to be awesome. Hitman's going to be really fun. It looks a lot better. It's it's going to be Absolution. a lot. It's going to be a lot. Yeah, it's not going to be anything like Absolution, I think. It's going to be a lot like the original Hitman games or, or the ones people like Blood Money and stuff. Uh, but they're making very major changes that feel Hitman. Like the game is completely different from how Hitman has been in the past. But it feels right, uh, which is so rare with, with sequels that change a lot. Uh, so I'll give some examples. Uh, I'd say like the biggest thing is, is an overall design philosophy. They're, first of all, they're, they're, they're releasing it in like episodes. Uh, and it hasn't been explicitly said how, how these episodes are going to work or you know the pricing model or anything. But that sounds, that sounds okay for Hitman. Like every mission is kind of its condensed little thing, its own, its own story, I guess, in a way. And then it, it all ties together, but uh, they're focusing a lot on like these larger areas to play in. And it sounds like they're going to have multiple mission options in the same area that are just drastically different, but like they'll involve a lot of the same people. So you'll like learn how the area works. You'll learn how the guards work and you'll be able to exploit that more and more as you move through and do more and more missions in that area. And, and things will change but but certain things won't change in a way where you can exploit that. Um, and and people talked about some like really clever stuff like uh, planting weapons on the inside of the building by leaving the weapons on the outside of the building and setting off an alarm. And the security collects the weapons and puts them in their you know security room or whatever. And then you're able to get the weapons inside through the security, like because normally you'd have to go through like a metal detector or something. Cool. Um, and so like just really clever stuff like that. And people, the 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 people that were talking about it that I listened to were talking about how they suspected there might not have been like an actual reset button or like save point system, which sounded really crappy to me because Hitman's a lot of ways. I I, I think that game's about perfection. Like you want to get the perfect kill, and you have to do it over and over to to learn. But they've implemented a system that works in the world to reset the game to where you can try again, I guess. Uh, okay. Basically, and, and this hasn't been explicitly described, but this is what it sounds like. is like there's an option in the area or maybe several options where you basically clear the area out and things get cleaned up and then people come back. And so you can kind of try again. And I mean, things have probably changed, like certain things maybe have changed or, or like, you know, if you collapsed, you know, a chandelier on someone's head, maybe that chandelier isn't back up where it belongs, but you can try again, kind of, uh, maybe you had to do to alter your strategy or something, but it just, it sounds really cool and really different and actually achievable. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I like what I'm hearing and it, it, I, I hope it goes well because it's it it sounds ambitious, but not so ambitious that you're like, oh, I don't know if they can pull this off. It's kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. I, 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 it's going to be cool. I I I have high hopes. Uh, I don't know how many areas they're going to be. There's going to be in whatnot, but also I think they've mentioned like players creating their own missions and sharing them with their friends, which is always always cool. Um, uh, the other one that that Square Enix has shown is just calls three which we mentioned it looks really cool there's nothing else to say about it uh dark souls three yes so this is a big deal and we kind of got a little bit more of the story on how it's being developed so set in the scene there was a press only and some members of the dark souls community um who were able to be in this exclusive gameplay demo of dark souls three that Hidetaka Miyazaki was commenting over live while a guy was playing it, which was really cool. And then people yeah. got to interview him afterwards, and he was like describing what he began, designing certain things. They described him as really energetic cool. as well. Like, like yeah, having which a surprising doesn't amount really of fit his and energy. personality. And he like he just flat out refuses to appear on camera 
um, for video recordings or audio recordings. So people got to interview him, but they had a choice. They could interview him and not show any audio or video, or they could interview this PR guy and then they could show it. But yeah, so very, very weird. But um, he's a great creator. So who am I to question him? And uh, <laughs> so this is the story. Apparently, he was brought on after the prototype for Dark Souls 3 was finished and development for it started apparently shortly after Dark Souls 1, not Dark Souls 2. So, interesting. They clearly have different teams working on the games in that case. And it seems then that Bloodborne was sort of Miyazaki shaping that from its, you know, from its uh, gestative stages. And this, he's sort of, once the base, you know, engine and everything is there, then he's going in. He's heavily personally involved in the level design, which is my biggest concern, which is great. Yeah. Because um, the level design was the biggest problem with Dark Souls 2 for me. And so if he's personally helming that, that's going to be great. And uh, yeah, there's lots to say. Um, a new mechanic called weapon arts, and that's where every like type or subcategory of weapon like great swords or spears or things like that, they have like different stances that you can go into. A little like uh, what's that? What's that game? For Honor. Uh yeah, I, I was yeah, going to say like that. I was going to say uh, a little bit like the game Bloodborne. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not quite like that. The weapons don't transform. Like you physically but in, change the in, way you're it, holding it, and then it gives the result is the same set. though. Yeah, I don't you get know a different that. move set. It's and... less diverse than Bloodborne. Yeah, okay. That you will kind of only change the way you move it around. So you get a new move set, but not necessarily a new thing in your hands. Um, but anyway, it's really cool. And there's all kinds of neat little things people describe. There's no footage of this demo yet, but people have noted that um, the bows seem a lot like Legolas from the Lord of the Rings movies, where they fire very, very quickly, and they're not just the sit-back-and-camp weapons that they huh. were in Dark Souls 1 and 2. Like, they're now, like, an in-combat option, which is very cool. And, um, you know, I don't really know where to start. Uh, I, don't, but... I don't know the details of the demo. All I've heard from the demo is, like, you know, it's the, it's the typical Souls game demo where you kind of go through an area and then there's a boss. Um, but... I, I've heard a little bit about the story. Have you heard about the story? Yeah, yeah. So the story is essentially the player character is the dark hero. And there are the lords, plural, of Cinder. The lords of Cinder. And uh, he's got to stop them or come to understand them. You know, it's all very, always very ambiguous uh what the goal is in these games but the player character has to the dark hero has to get to these lords of cinder and do something with them uh that much more than that isn't clear but it's interesting because this sort of seems like it has a way to put to an end that cyclical thing that they had going on in dark souls 2 that and it seems from what we've seen too and we talked about this a little bit it seems to have a vision this is Everything is ash. Ash is a huge motif in the design, and people were describing how everything was like ash or fire. This seems like the end. The world is completely burnt out, and this is going to be the end of the cycles or whatever. This is. It feels like an uh, like a climax, which is cool. And I, I just want to see gameplay of it. People are describing its appearance to look a lot like Bloodborne, which is great. Well, the sun Bloodborne is looks fantastic in yeah. the world so like it it yeah from the screenshots i've seen like those leaked screenshots and whatnot it 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 looks strikingly like bloodborne because bloodborne has that dark same kind of feel of like the the world is dark and then the sun is is kind of an orange and uh <clears throat> yeah but it, it they they also yeah they they've kind of described the the, the setting and the design of the world in very simplistic but focused terms that, that give me a lot of hope for, you know, what the, the direction they're going in with the game rather than just, oh, uh, whatever, you know, this team is working on this level and this team is working on this level and it's all everyone else's own little... That's what Dark Souls 2 felt like to me, is like yeah. every, every little area was someone else's vision and then they just pieced it together, literally just pieced it together whether it made sense or not. <laughs> Vadi Vidya was there and he described what he saw 
which is, you know, the closest we can get to a first-hand account of what happened in that demo. And he was describing one of the enemies, who was kind of like a mini-boss, who had this weird kind of dark growth coming out of him, but it was like liquid, but not quite. And it was like morphing into faces and weapons during this fight. It Hmm. sounds really, really cool. Like, almost based on the cloth physics of Bloodborne, but like morphing into these twisted shapes. And it seems like the, the inspired design is back. And he's actually been, I, I should have, I'm rereading this. Um, it was Miyazaki himself who made the comparison to Legolas. And then he also made a comparison to a character from some anime called Berserk, which I've heard a lot about. And the inspiration was clearly there in the other games, but now he's specifically going out and saying it. He's got inspirations. He seems to have a clear vision. I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I, I This might actually re-inspire my, uh, my devotion to the Soul series, and maybe maybe this game will get me back to Bloodborne. Um, yeah, and like I can, I was always questioning when the rumors were going that Miyazaki would be directing this. I was thinking he can't direct two games full time. That's just not possible. But now the timeline makes a little more sense that he could have helped shape Bloodborne from its beginning and then waited until they had some workable product for Dark Souls Three because Dark Souls Three. It's the third game. It's an established series. He probably doesn't have to do as much micromanaging of that. Yeah. I I, I hope it's really good. It it will be. It'll be good. Uh, that, that that's the nice thing about the Soul series is you know it's at least going to be fun to play and uh, give you a lot of give you a lot of time to enjoy it. One more thing, besides speculation about Dark Souls Three, somebody asked him if it's going to be the last game. He said no, but it's going to be a conclusion in some way. And then he went on to talk about the other games from software is made, and he mentioned sci-fi. So that's kind oh. of exciting. I, I would okay. love to see something like this in a sci-fi setting. I would too, yeah. That, that is exciting. That'd be fucking cool. I like said specifically that they'd be, moving on, they'd be moving on from the dark fantasy, hmm. which is exciting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Bloodborne was a pretty drastic change, but it was still, like you said, dark, dark fantasy is a good way to describe it. Um, I I I think it'd be really cool for them to do like a different, completely different kind of not genre I guess but maybe genre like setting completely different tone and everything with every game and just totally experiment with stuff. But that's yeah, that's speculation. That, like that, not way of storytelling, but those mechanics and that sort of I guess it is storytelling. The like implied stories and the lore and the subtlety yeah. that could fit in so many different settings than like medieval with dark mythological twists like yeah there's so much potential and it looks like he's ready to explore it so that's great all great news that's one of the things i like about the witcher 3 (laughs) um is like the witcher 3 does it a completely different way they're not they're not it's not a it's not an ambiguous way of telling the story of the world or anything it's very upfront about it you're reading books or notes or talking to people and asking them questions but everything feels like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. This seems like it could be something in the world. And, and the way that people interact with, like, you have all these outlandish monsters that are, like, really terrifying and crazy. But if people have been living with them, you know, all their lives, They're then normal, they yeah. don't feel like it's all that out of place. And so it's really cool to see, like, a well-designed monster that's really terrifying. But the especially Geralt, the, the main character, but even just random villagers and stuff... You know they 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 know it's dangerous, but they're not acting like it's some crazy horrible thing that they've never seen before. It's like they they know what it is. They, it's been around forever. <laughs> so it, it it has a very convincing way of 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 selling the world almost, and and it's a different different way of doing it. But it, the result is the same as the Dark Souls, like Dark Souls in particular. That the first Dark Souls, I felt like that world was so real. Uh, it was it was simple, and it was. Uh, ambiguous, but it 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 felt like a co- cohe- co- cohesive place that 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 I could think of as as making sense, and and I that that sounds very simple, but it, it's something that I don't think a lot of games get right, especially in you know the fantasy genre. So good for them. I, I I'm I I am looking forward to that. And uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I don't want to miss these juicy bits before we go on, but the speed. 
they say that it's going to be somewhere between Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne. Yeah, that I've heard they that said as well. that it's it's the fastest Dark Souls game yet, which I love how quick everything in Bloodborne is, so yeah. I kind of like that too. Yeah, I, anyway. I prefer the slow stuff of Dark Souls actually. I like really? using a, I like using a shield and I like using the slowest, heaviest, most hard-hitting weapon possible. Oh, oh, that is another thing. The great sword specifically, you'll like this. Um they mentioned that the great sword that they were using was bigger than any sword in any of the games yet. Great. And it didn't seem like it was just being like, you know how the animations for the great swords are just kind of lugging them from side to side and just yeah. like using the weight of the weapon. They said it's not like that at all. That it's like the character Guts from Berserk, which I haven't seen, but apparently they were swinging it fast and with purpose and with skill. It hmm. sounds really cool. Like the great sword specifically, they thought about a lot. Yeah, that that seems cool. But I I actually did also like in Dark Souls when you'd pick up a weapon that is really huge and hard hitting, and the, it it does feel like the character struggling just to swing the thing. I I do actually kind of like that in a way. Uh, the my favorite weapon to use, the one I used pretty much all the way through my playthrough in, in Dark Souls, was the uh, the Zweihander, the huge two handed sword i mean it wasn't nearly as big as some of the weapons in the game but i loved the move set on it where like basically like if you just if you do the, like just the r1 spam with that weapon yeah, yeah. you just swing it back and forth and just slam it against the ground over and over because it's like your character just can't keep it lifted up off the ground it's just like you know what i'd like <laughs> to see i like to see the longer than zway hand or the not longer it's not just longer it's bigger body I think said that it's substantially bigger or <laughs> okay. some like really promising language like that. But I'd like to see something just even huger than that. So that that becomes like, the, just go full anime round weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Go like, uh, go like almost like, uh, Oh fuck. What's it called? The series that we were talking about when we first started the podcast that you were watching. Um, Gurren Lagann. I don't know. Yeah. I forgot the name of it. Yeah. That could be the new sci-fi thing they work. Really on. go yeah. some places. <laughs> that would be funny. Like, man, a video so game does need to do. do that though. Like just fuck around with scale to a point where it's just completely absurd. I, video games don't tend to do stuff like that. But uh, yeah, uh, cool, very cool. Uh, that's that's awesome. Let's talk about some more awesome things. Uh, yep. Have you heard the crazy shit being said about the VR demos at E3? No. Oh my god. Uh, basically, the impression that I get is VR actually is the future um, and augmented reality. That like these really? these technologies are blowing people away. Like you know, because like I've I've used the dev kit and I've played some of those little demo games they had, and it was like, oh, this is really cool. This is really neat. It wasn't something that like blew my mind. Like I kind of knew what to expect, and that's what I got, and it was cool, and I would consider buying one. The way that they were demoing. Uh, specifically Oculus and 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 I guess Hololens too. Um, specifically those two, the way that they were demoing was apparently just like so far and beyond anything that anyone had ever seen or expected from these devices, especially this early on in their life. Um, so I'll I'll describe some of the stuff that I heard of the Oculus. Uh, apparently, what's his name? The the guy who runs the company. Um, Oh, fuck. Mark Zuckerberg, baby. <laughs> well, technically, maybe. Uh, I, I, Palmer Palmer Lucky. Uh, I, I'm having a terrible time remembering things tonight. Uh, apparently, he was there in person to demo the, the hardware with people. And basically, they had a room that was like a padded room, like an insane asylum. And you go in there, and they've got those you know two controllers that you hold with each hand that have the triggers on them and everything. And uh, is this uh, Morpheus? No, this is this is Oculus Rift. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was looking at a different picture where they're holding like the two PlayStation moves. Yeah, yeah. Going. Morpheus is trying to do a similar thing. Uh, but Oculus I, sounded to me like they had this, the more impressive demo. Um, so you, you you're in this room and you put on the headset, and then Palmer says, "I'm I'm okay. I'm going to go to the other room uh, to demo it with you." And 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 it's kind of like, "Oh, okay. I guess this is a multiplayer thing." And then he appears. So you're in this game world where it's basically just like a big room with toys all around, like just various things that do crazy stuff and you can just play around with. And uh, and 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 Palmer Lucky appears somewhere else in the room and there he is, or a character version of him, 
and his hands are moving very naturally because they're actually his hands because he's holding those controllers and he can like pick up an item and toss it to you and you can catch it. That's cool. And, and so it's like they, they start off with stuff that makes sense. Like, okay, here's, here's, you know, here's a, a Roman candle and you can point the Roman candle around and shoot it at stuff. And it's fun. And here's a ping pong paddle and a ping pong ball and we can play ping pong with each other. And, uh, and then when reality starts getting distorted is when shit starts getting crazy. So like he picks up a shrink ray and shrinks you. And so now you're looking up at him and he's looking down at you. And and it's just really surreal, apparently, to like have that experience with another person where like it feels like you're in there with them, but you're doing stuff that doesn't make sense. And like and then like, you know, turn off the gravity. And now you're playing ping pong in zero gravity. And just crazy shit that like I just never even imagined how these things would be used in multiplayer like that was so far ahead in the future to to me like in my head I was thinking like no you gotta get what like you gotta get single player stuff down first but apparently they're doing really impressive stuff and I don't know if it'll really apply to, to games in a way that'll be meaningful anytime soon but that sounds really cool and then the HoloLens stuff I mean we saw it on stage it's the same stuff it's just like the way that it the, the way that it's actually convincingly creating stuff in the world where it'll like put a window on the wall that you can look through in 3D, but it's just a wall. And then like apparently they were doing like a weird Halo demo with it where, you know, like in Halo, it gives you waypoints. Apparently they would put like a waypoint in the conference hall and you could like walk down the hallway. And, and then when you hit the waypoint, it like activates or whatever. Um, just really cool stuff that I, I, I am totally convinced that, that, that this is the technology that is going to be huge in, in the be, future. I think that'll clearly be where horror games are going. That, oh well, yeah, obviously. I, I think uh, I think Project Morpheus I think had a horror game that they were showing off where like you were in a wheelchair because you're sitting in a chair, and so it makes sense that you're in a wheelchair, and it like it's like an on rails shooter, I guess, and you're using a shotgun. Um, people's had good things to say about it, but it, that's just what you would expect. And 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 the Oculus and Halloween stuff is just so far beyond anything I ever imagined. <laughs> that like it's gonna. What's going to really sell this is demos in stores. People have to see it. Yeah, they can't. They, 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 I, it is really impressive to see the Minecraft thing on stage, but <clears throat> I would just be, I would just be saying, oh, that's that's neat. If if I hadn't heard these, these firsthand accounts, you know, where people are saying like this is blowing my mind, uh, that that stuff puts it in perspective. Where it's like, okay, I need to try this out, and apparently, it's going to be really cool because like i was talking to people at work about it and i was like yeah vr is like really cool and they were all going nah, i don't know about that that would just make me sick i don't want i don't even want to deal with that it, but it's probably something that they would think they wouldn't necessarily buy it but they would probably think it's really cool if they actually experienced it but just the the sound of it just turns them off instantly um it, it they, is a they hard think sell. like the little gimmicks at arcades or mm-hmm. you know back yeah. to the future too yeah, we've been submitted to really terrible VR for the last couple of decades, and so so when VR that wasn't thing, actually VR, the yeah, screens basically. close to your head. Um, so which technically this is, but you know, <laughs> you technically know, but disparity it's, between right, what you know, you fucking get it. It's 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 looking so cool, and and I really think, in some ways, it's terrifying to think about like this kind of far future scenario where we can just put on our VR headsets and be wherever we want to be and do, do whatever we want to do. And it's not real life. Uh, but it's, it's, it's cool. And it's, it's amazing how quickly the technology is already moving. Like this is the first time we've seen HoloLens and already like it's working in such a way that people are saying like, yeah, this is like the latency is low enough where it actually is really awesome. And, 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 is blowing my mind. It's it's not just something like, oh, I could see how this could be applied. It's like, oh, this is actually being applied in a way that is really cool and convincing. Um, it that's so exciting to me. I, I I just and it's it it goes beyond video games, but its application to video games alone is is just so cool. I need uh, to get I, an I, Oculus on my head. Wanna, yeah, I'm definitely I gonna. Do that. I, I it's probably gonna be Oculus is probably gonna be the brand to get, and I'm almost definitely going to buy one because. Uh, it's going to be so cool to play like fucking uh, uh, Elite Dangerous and look around in the cockpit and dogfight and ah, I can't wait. That would be <sighs> such a weird feeling because I don't know if it's just me being weird, but I always like I don't know when I have like these really noise isolating headphones, 
I don't like putting them in all the way because I feel like I'm cutting myself off from everything. And if yeah. I had those and the visor on, I would be just completely isolated from reality. I know, it's kind of Very scary strange. because it's like... I, I, there's no... like I was thinking about it earlier today, actually, because I was thinking about this stuff, and, and I was thinking, like, uh, what are the potential like dangers of this? And and it, there, there wasn't really anything... I could think of that would actually like be a problem. Like, I don't know. You miss a, yeah. uh, an important phone call, I guess, but like you put your phone in your pocket on vibrate. I don't know. Uh, it's, but it's it still unnerving. Like, it doesn't feel like physical danger. Like that there's going to be a fire yeah. and I'm going to die, <laughs> but you know, just like psychological isolation. I know exactly what you mean. Cause like, yeah, I'm the same way about like headphones. Like I, I prefer headphones that, that do cut off outside noise. I live in a noisy apartment complex and I, I've missed people knocking at the door and stuff because I'm just wearing my headphones and I'm not even like listening to anything that's allowed or anything. It's just, I can't hear that from, from, from my mm-hmm. headphones. And, and so the idea of having that, and a headset over my face, completely unaware of what's going on around me, is is really unnerving. I think Somebody it's something that maybe you can get used to, though. Punch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never do it. Like, like if I if I had like an older brother living with me, I would never use one of these <laughs> things because I'd be fucking paranoid about like being messed with. Uh, it is the perfect thing <laughs> to mess with people. But uh, in fact, that that was one of the Morpheus demos. I think is that like maybe it was that horror thing, like a zombie grabs you and one of the people standing by you grabs your leg at the same time, which is kind of like, all right, this is stupid, but, but yeah, apparently that's what they're doing. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff. I, I'm really excited. It's really crazy that that's happening next year. Yeah. So I, it does feel kind of like the futures now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and with, with Google glass and stuff like uh, that stuff's being, shunned by the majority of society for a lot of the times really good reason but like that is the future it's just when is it going to come how is it going to come and like how is it going to integrate that is definitely something that's going to happen though like we are going to be putting a heads-up display in our lives probably kind of soon actually um so it's weird it's really cool um i'm trying to think of other things we missed any three that are major uh I heard that the the uh, the game you mentioned earlier, the um, fuck, I'm having a problem tonight. The chivalry like game. Oh, for honor. For honor. That's a hard. That's a weird one. Um, I had I trouble remembering the name. Earlier. I don't know why I'm having. I, I my brain doesn't work. Um, apparently, people were like people who they had a playable demo, and people were describing it as Mountain Blade meets various other games that we've already like mentioned in comparison to it but but they specifically mentioned mountain blade being very similar to like the directional kind of blocking and stuff like that um and 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 people said like the dodging they wanted the dodging to feel like dark souls but it didn't actually feel like dark souls because like it doesn't doesn't dodge the way you want it to like as much as you want it to like you can't just dodge out of people's swings and stuff but i don't know it sounds like the kind of game that creates that that requires getting used to and that you have to uh you probably have to go through some frustration to get any good at it but there's probably a pretty cool learning curve uh that'll really appeal to me um oh what else you have uh sunset yeah this was just uh this isn't E3, but it, I just thought it was kind of funny. It, it it sounds sad at first, but then just like if you look up these developers and the things that they've been saying and the game that they made. A game came out called Sunset. It's this pretentious game that tries to uh, dismantle people's preconceptions about socialist society or some shit. I, I, that's kind of, I don't know, that's the brief impression that I've oh. gotten from it. I thought it was Sunset Overdrive. No, it's I just Sunset, not. the indie game. Uh, you, you play a strong black woman in the nineteen like sixties or seventies and travel to like Venezuela or something. I don't know. It, it, it's very pretentious, apparently. Um, it's the kind of thing you would expect from that kind of indie game. Uh, the indie developer. If you look up the photos of the two people who created this game, they are exactly what you would expect from a pretentious indie developer. The guy has a really unique beard that looks very cool and unique and and stylish. And uh, sold. 
and his name is Michael, and there's an umlaut over the E in Michael. How uh, did you say that? I don't know. Michael? <laughs> I Mike- don't know. It's not. Like I'm sure Russian he would Mikael. correct you though when you said Michael. Uh, so I'm reading about it now. The the dev. I think this this is the only thing they made, right? Yes, I think so. There's a story now about how they're. Oh, it's so sad. They're quitting commercial game development. Yeah, all the handholders in the failed. video game journalism. It's not and, up to them. Yeah, yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, if they created a game that nobody bought and they failed, like, okay, that's sad. They they tried and they failed. They got on Twitter and they had a meltdown and um and they said that capitalism is evil and that it's a it's a corrupt system and that's the reason their game didn't sell well because capitalism is evil. Uh so it's just like fuck you. <laughs> you created a game that nobody wanted and nobody bought it and now you're surprised and also blaming fucking capitalism for all your problems <laughs> it's just like the most hateable kind of person in indie like it's it's it is like if you want to know why indie developers get a bad rep look at these people and look at their twitter page because jesus christ um okay anything else nope not that i can think of not that i can think of either uh i watched i watched not jurassic world but jurassic park uh Yes, and I actually heard good things about Jurassic World, and I might kind of want to see it. But I watched Jurassic Park, and I watched uh, the Red Letter Media commentary with it, and it was entertaining. I like Letter- Red Letter Media a lot; they're they're, they're fun. Um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I don't, that's just something I remembered at the very end there. Um, oh, so... I finished the first Ace Attorney. <laughs> oh, yay! Great! I can't wait to play that's that game. I will play that game eventually. It. it was fun. Yep. Uh, I hope everyone has a good week and I hope there's stuff to talk about next week because boy coming out of E3 there's probably going to be a pretty slow news cycle now, now we're in the hype time yeah hype hype suicide hype good night